Al Jazeera podcast. The map came out on December 1st. It shows Gaza broken down into a grid of more than 600 numbered blocks. In some places, the blocks are so close together, you can hardly read the numbers. It was released by the Israeli army, said to be used for targeted evacuation warnings for areas facing intense bombardment. Israel will tell people to go to certain areas and bomb those areas anyway. We know that, and that's happened. More than 100 Palestinians have been killed in overnight Israeli strikes, and this brings the death toll since Saturday to more than 800. The map represents a trove of data that Israel has been collecting on Gaza for years. And we're learning just how much more data there is where that came from. Today, how and why all of it adds up to a staggering death toll of more than 15,000 Palestinians, according to the Ministry of Health in Gaza. I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. My name is Meron Rappaport. I'm an Israeli journalist based in Tel Aviv, writer and editor in local call 972. 972 is a joint Israeli-Palestinian news outlet. Local call is its Hebrew-language sister site. They've been reporting closely on Israel's war on Gaza. The past two months now, were, I think, the worst since I remember on both sides of the border, of course, what happened on 7th of October was terrible. And I think there's a sense of insecurity that I have not witnessed in all uh, my life. And on November 30th, 972 and Local Call published an investigation into the Israeli army's war protocols speaking to insiders in the military and in Israeli intelligence, they found there's been a major shift since the first days of the war. What our investigation, I think, showed is that it seems that there's a substantial change in the way Israel, Israeli army is using its power in Gaza. One, Meron says is a much wider use of artificial intelligence. The system specifically called the gospel in English, which collects and creates and produces hundreds of targets in almost in an automatic way. This system generates bombing targets at an unprecedented scale. Here's Yuval Abraham the reporter on that investigation, speaking to the show Democracy Now. The rate of creating the targets is now faster than the rate that Israel is able to bomb the targets. And in this target division, according to the army's sources, already 12,000 targets were created during this war in this target division using these artificial intelligence tools. This is done, you know, as a factory to produce uh, targets. And that's how a former intelligence officer described it in the piece, a mass assassination factory. This is one aspect. The second aspect 
is in previous operation there was something that the army calls power targets these are high rising buildings government buildings universities banks government offices all kind of symbols let's say that uh, the hitting them and making them collapse was a part of psychological war even in order to spread the terror among the citizens people of Gaza and pushing them to topple Hamas that strategy that mass destruction by the Israeli army will cause a drop in support for Hamas has been in place for a long time Meron says Israel for many years its policy towards the operation in Gaza its previous wars against Hamas was that use of force excessive force of unproportional force one of the targets besides hitting Hamas targets is to deter Hamas from a future attacks and deter the population from supporting Hamas after october 7th this has reached much much higher level and there is a feeling in israel and it is being said publicly that if we will not crush hamas and crush its support its base in gaza political and military then the future of israel will be in danger because its other enemies from hezbollah to other enemies will understand that israel is weak and what we've seen in this war meron says is a very high number of those power targets but what else constitutes a target is a little vague as we have shown in our investigation the word target could sometimes mean an apartment in which there is a probability again and it's again probability because this is ai it's not direct information it's probability that there is a probability that a hamas combatant and it could be in any level because all hamas militants in gaza are considered target all of them including low level fighters at home with their families or neighbors Meron said that got one Israeli source in the investigation thinking while uh, collecting these targets he thought that i myself when i come home for weekend it seems that uh, maybe my house um, my apartment building could be a target too because i serve in the army so he felt very uncomfortable about turning uh, private houses into targets which gets at another revelation in the piece around civilian deaths we found out that israel for each target there is a file in which it is written how many civilian casualties could be harmed if this target is attacked and there was a limitation on how many civilians could be targeted collateral damage it seems that in this war this limit was loosened to a very large extent and in at least one case what we came to know 
is that in order to kill senior Hamas leader, the army has allowed a potential collateral damage of hundreds of civilians. And that's where the use of artificial intelligence technology comes in. Or rather, Miran says, the decisions that use it. We have to remember that AI does not mean that it is the targets are attacked automatically. There is a human decision there whether to accept the suggestion, so to speak, of the AI system or not. So the crucial thing here is are the restrictions that were much more stricter, that's what it seems, and the much more loose restriction going up to hundreds really, uh, so it seems, makes the difference. Miran says that because of censorship restrictions, it's impossible to know exactly how the Israeli army is using AI technology in warfare. But it is possible to get a general idea. You can say that it collects a lot, a lot of information from various sources about people and places and apartments and warehouses and all kinds of things in Gaza and elsewhere, but in this case in Gaza, and uh, gives them some kind of a grade. How important are they and what uh, certainty there is that there are Hamas people or Hamas warehouse or whatever in this place. It gives some kind of probability. This is how AI works. Uh, Sometimes, I think, as far as I understand, the operators themselves don't know exactly why it's all kind of algorithms that uh, even the operators themselves don't understand. But at the end, it gives them, let's say, a hundred targets with, I don't know, 80-something percent probability that there are valuable uh, targets in this place. After the break, how the Israeli army is using artificial intelligence differently in the current war on Gaza. Welcome to Necessary Tomorrows. My name is Ursula. I am an AI. And I have inferred from your online activity that you have been feeling more dread than hope when you think about the future that is coming for us here in the 2060s. So I have created a course just for you to enhance your capacity for imagining different futures. Your class starts January 8th. Necessary Tomorrows, an audio series by Doha Debates and Al Jazeera. Find it where you listen to podcasts. This is not the first time Israel has used AI technology in warfare, Meron says. It was done before in 2000. 21, but not on such a scale. That was during the 11-day escalation of violence that year. And while this kind of cutting-edge technology is promoted as making warfare more precise, evidence on the ground in Gaza suggests otherwise. So the Israeli army itself is saying, and sources within the army told us, 
that this is done, you know, as a factory to produce targets. Certainly, this technology helps creating targets in unprecedented pace. What the quality of these targets, what does it mean that there are so many targets? This is, of course, we don't know because we don't know the targets themselves and how they were chosen. But as I told you, the crucial thing is the way you use it from the moment you loosen the rate of collateral damage possible in each attack, then, you know, AI maybe not directly, but indirectly contributes to hurting more civilians. We often talk about AI in these very glowing terms, to help us and to engage in precision. This is Mark Owen Jones. He wrote an opinion piece about the AI revelations for Al Jazeera. I'm an associate professor of Middle East studies at Hamid bin Khalifa University, and I specialize on digital authoritarianism. And he told us how those glowing terms also apply to warfare. There's this idea that AI will make warfare somehow more clinical, more precise, and somehow, because of that, more humane. These terms are often designed to hide the ugly reality of war. And this is what's happening now in Gaza. Israel are using AI to essentially increase the efficiency with which they target and kill civilians. And so it's actually quite sinister. Whilst they like to claim that they're the most moral and the most technically sophisticated army in the world, they're also using these technologies to kill Palestinians on a level that we've never seen before. The Israeli army is using AI not only as a form of warfare against Palestinians, but, Mark says, as a form of propaganda as well. Why is it propaganda? Because it allows them to say, hey, look, we're technically advanced. The AI is used to do these precision strikes. These precision strikes are meant to minimize civilian casualties. We are acting in a way that's proportionate and in line with international law because we are taking care not to harm other civilians. And that gets back to the maps of Gaza that have been released. It's done, according to the Israeli army, to avoid unnecessary civilian casualties. But, as Mark says... They're creating this technological window dressing to try and give the illusion that they are adhering to international law. But because Gazans can't actually access this, it's clearly window dressing for a Western audience who has put a lot on social media and designed, again, to make people think that Israel were adhering to international law by, you know, giving sufficient warning to civilians in this very kind of techno-savvy way. Obviously nonsense. And these maps, says Mark, aren't even clear. So when people are able to access them, they still don't know where is safe and where is not. So that just increased the sense of panic because people now are looking, okay, we don't actually know where to go. And it's also irrelevant because we know that Israel have told people to, for example, evacuate from the north to go to the south. But then they bombed the south. So Israel don't have a record of being honest about where they're going to bomb. As for the targets that are selected, Mark is looking at an aspect of AI technology we've seen outside of warfare as well. Learned bias. 
these AI systems usually are based on learned knowledge, right? So they inherit the biases of people who create them. Now, this technology has most certainly been created by the Israeli military. And we know from previous bombings of Gaza and just the occupation general that the Israeli military have been happy to kill civilians, right? So when they train this AI model, are they training it to select targets in the full knowledge that those targets will also include civilians? So there's this very scary kind of situation where they're outsourcing people's lives and people's destinies to a piece of technology that has probably inherited the ideology of occupation and extermination. And the fact is, and we've seen this in the rhetoric of officials and, and Israeli politicians, that the line between what they consider to be Hamas and Palestinians is probably very blurred. You don't call people human animals if you don't think they deserve a level of contempt. So I think that's what this technology is doing. And I think that's a really terrifying turn of events. We are seeing a state of affairs now where we know artificial intelligence is being used in a non-transparent way to select people for death and destruction by an army that we know have breached international law. And I think that is truly terrifying. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Faranisa Campana and Sonia Bagat, with Chloe K. Lee, Miranda Lynn, Sariel Khalili, Khalid Sultan, David Engers, Amy Walters, Nikin Oliayi, Ashish Malhotra, Zaina Bazar, and me, Malika Bilal. Our sound designer is Alex Roldan. Alexandra Locke is The Take's executive producer, and Ney Alvarez is Al Jazeera's head of audio. We'll be back. <laughs>